welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. This is Jessica. I am your host today, and I am here with the author, Wesley Chu, who has written tons and tons of books. Um, and this book, The Art of Destiny, is the second in a series. Uh, the first one was The Art of Prophecy, which was super fun and uh, played a lot with the whole hero's journey trope, which I love because um, as much as uh, as a person who loves stories, as much as I love the hero's journey, it's good to see it go in another direction every now and then. Um, and that was this was much appreciated. Uh, so the art of destiny um is it, it, it centers around the same world and the same characters but it takes sort of like a time jump and also takes another direction so um if you would like to just kind of sh- set up um where we started and sort of where these characters journeys begin now um in the art of destiny we can chat about it Oh well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, hello, You're everybody. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna preface this really quick by admitting that I am really bad at describing my own stuff. Oh no. So I'm so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. So you're asking me what's going on with the art of destiny or the art of prophecy? Well, kind of bring us up to speed with you know just sort of where we left the characters at the end of the art of prophecy. And then sort of how it sets us up for this next installment. Okay. So so the art of prophecy centers around, you know, what happens if prophecy is broken? What are the effects of of a of a religion, of a mandate, of a philosophy that suddenly um no longer has proven to be true? How does that affect the people and the government and the culture? And so um just a little quick background, you know. The, the prophesied hero of the TND, which is this you know prophesized hero who will defeat this evil demigod, Khan, um, has been raised in opulence his entire life. And now that the prophecy is broken, he has no no longer has, you know, his his future is, is now gray. He doesn't know what's going on. So that happens in the end of the first book. And in the, in the second book, The Art of Destiny, um, it's kind of a play on the theme of destiny is what happens when destiny no longer is is ordained and it's about Jen and his friends and the characters involved in that story, finding their own, like finding their own way, you know, kind of like now that the path before them is, is, is unclear, is gray. How do they kind of discover who they are and where they go and how they kind of like make decisions for themselves as opposed to what prophecy tells them to do? So I love all of it. Um, I really have to say, like, there's some really interesting characters. So there's Jen and there's also Taishi, um, who, you know, has decided to take on training uh, this hero who did not actually get a chance to be a hero. And I really like their interactions together. Um, you know, I really um, enjoyed watching them uh, grow together and just sort of, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I have to say, I'm a huge fan of Kasami. Um, and that was a storyline that I really enjoyed following as well. Uh, did do you have like out of all these characters, did you like find somebody who sort of um, latched onto you a little bit more than you were expecting? 
well, let me ask you this. Did you like Kasami all the way through or did you like because part one Kasami and part two Kasami have very different journeys? Yes, I, I, I liked the fact that part one Kasami grew into part two Kasami and I really appreciated the journey, okay. how the journey went. Because again, you know, like we were talking about sort of sub- subverting expectations and also just sort of playing with character tropes. I really do enjoy characters that are kind of, you know, they're one way, but they also, they're kind of, I don't want to say gray, but there's potential for them to grow into something else. Maybe it's the anime fan in me, but like those always end up being my favorite characters. The ones where in the beginning, you're just like, oh my God, it's you again. And then by the end, you're like, oh, it's you again. I can't wait to spend more time with you. And that is how I felt about Kazami. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, when you write these characters, do they do what you expect or do they kind of do their own thing and you follow them? So, okay. So this is kind of so two things. Uh, so Kasami by, by far is the most controversial character. There are many people who like hated her in the first book because you know she's so mean, she's so evil, blah blah blah. But then they then they discover her layers, and suddenly at the very end, they're like, "Oh my gosh, she was my favorite character by the end of book two. So I really appreciated that when people suddenly like, "Oh, they give her the chance." It kind of like, you no, know, I, I intentionally started her at one place that I knew was controversial because you know she had a long ways to go. So. The when when they tell me after they finished book two that oh god that that was such a fulfilling journey for her I'm like that's what I was going for. Now in terms of whether um that was my intention partially, but a lot of it is I'm a big believer of free will for my characters. Um, you know people talk about being panthers and plotters. I'm generally a very big plotter, but when it comes to plotting and writing my characters out, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of giving these characters free will and having them the, the opportunity to kind of like define themselves. Now, given they're all, they all spring out of my head. So it's like, how, how do you give them free will? But um, I, I will plot extensively on, on a book before I start writing. And then, then I start writing it. And, you know, and at, at some point when, I want them to, you know, do a certain thing, make a right turn, go into this house, you know, kill this person or whatever. There are many, many times when after having layered these characters, you know, to to this point, they don't want to do what I want them to do. They don't want to go into this house. They don't want to drive this car. They don't want to go to go into battle, whatever. And even though my outline requires it, now I just let them make that choice. I let them make because it feels it feels more organic. It feels more real, and then instead of trying to like force them to go into this, you know, a square into a into a triangular peg, I let them make the choice that they want to make, and then I just re-outline. And then and, and there are many times when when I re-outline, by the time I finish a book, I'm on like version ten of the outline because I'm always re-outlining, giving them, you know, the opportunity to make that choice, and then like going back and like figure out how to how to salvage the rest of the plot. That's pretty cool. You know, it's so funny. I kind of have grown to dislike the um, pantser and plotter trope because I feel like there's so many things in between. 
Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just one or the other, uh, you know, like there are people who are very much like, I'm going to do whatever, you know, I'm just going to let it go. And there are people who are very, you know, like must follow structure, but I feel like there's, you know, a spectrum. And, um, I think that what you're talking about is really great because, you know, it feels like organic writing. It feels very much like the characters are living and breathing. Um, and, you know, it also fills out the world a lot more because sometimes the way that characters sort of grow informs the world that they're in. Um, was there, um, so do you, that said, like, did anybody surprise you? Do you have a favorite character to write? I wouldn't say I mean, it's, it's kind of like being a parent, you know, you don't really have a favorite kid. They're all a little different. Like I, I didn't want to make the characters, you know, I wanted to have a, as little overlap with their, with their arc as possible, you know, and then every character has an intention, has a driving motivation so that, you know, when, when the reader follows the story of a particular character, they are getting something different. You know, if I've had two characters who are just doing a romantic subplot, there's an overlap there that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to avoid. But as for having a favorite character, I mean, it's like, like, Kasami's fun to write. I think she's extremely, like, you know, I, I, I could get a little edgy. I can, like, you know, do little crazy things. But then when it comes to, like, you know, to be honest, one of my favorite writing characters to write are I, I love writing old people i love writing crotchety old people it just, it just it brings me joy because i feel like when you have an older character they've had so much experience so many layers so many so many nuances in in their decision making process and, and how they lived that it's it just it's a gold mine of things to kind of dig through you know so that's what i love about taishi is that she's an older um disabled woman so and then, like, no, no, and then, then Jen has that that fresh face, you know, earnest, but kind kind of, you know, kind of arrogant, but kind of dumb, kind of. I was like, I, I was, it's just like everybody's got a little something for me to, to play with, you know. Sally's the righteous hero who is is bucking tradition, and you know, and that there's some baggage that goes along with that. So, like, having these four characters being so, such such so different and opposite really, you know, gives me that. And then, as a writer, it, it allows me to kind of like really explore many different things without getting a little like bored or, 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 you know, heavy handed in, in one, in one trope or category. I also want to ask about the fight scenes and just sort of like placement um, while you're writing your story. Do you know when they're going to happen or does that sort of happen organically also depending on your character's choices? I mean, a, a lot of large set pieces for fight scenes, I, I plan out ahead of time. Um, but you know, I'm as I've become more experienced as a writer, I find that I write a plot a lot more by feel sometimes. So even though I have some, you know, I've outlined a certain arc going here, um, not there, there's many times where like you know this needs some scene here, either action or fight scene to kind of push certain things along. Um, I mean, action scenes are kind of like my, uh, like one of my specialties. I'm, I'm known for my action scenes. I'm known for having like good fight scenes. But um, in my opinion, you know, a, a good fight scene 
should do a lot of heavy lifting. It's it's not just having it's not just fun action. A good fight scene should have should be pushing the plot along. There should be consequences. There should be world building. There should be character development. You know, because there are so many facets of a fight scene that kind of explain who the character is. That, um, but then you also have to be careful because a fight scene can be boring or can be excessive if it's not done properly. So it's it's a, it's a fine balancing act. Um, there's many times when I have a fight scene where we're like, well, this fight scene doesn't justify its existence here in this, in this part of the book. Then you should then I have to remove it. So in, in many cases, uh, a fight scene is like the most delicate part of a book for me. Yeah, I could see that, um, you know, and I think crafting them, it takes it takes a lot. Um, so when you're when you're writing them um i know that you had done martial arts or do you still do martial arts i mean <laughs> i'm almost 50 okay <laughs> I'm, a, I'm almost 50 and look look like i did a lot of martial arts in the past um i, I had some stuff you no know, some stuff background as well and you know when you're young and you do that kind of sport and you know you take a hit in the head or whatever and you're like oh wow that that's that's a good hit but when you get older and you hit in the head, you're like, wow, that's a concussion. You know, you know, injuries that takes me in a couple of days to, to recover from taking me like two weeks now. And I need to see that you know, see my acupuncture. So I am retired and I've been I've been retired for about um man, it's been almost like almost 20 years now, to be honest. But it's one of those things where when you do a lot of martial arts younger in life, it's very formative in, in your life so that a lot of the advantages, a lot of the ethics, a lot of the a lot of the muscle memory that you have as a kid or as, as a young person still stay with you to this day. But definitely it has helped me with choreography. But it's all again, um, like when you do stunt work and you do choreography for stunt work, you have to be extremely exact where your movements are, where your beats are, your placements, your timing. It has to be, or if you don't, if you're not exact, somebody gets hurt. Um when you do it in, in long form prose, you have to be careful because if you're too exact, the story gets boring. Um, early on in my career, uh, when I wrote the first early drafts of The Lies of Tao, which is my debut novel, you know, um, I was very proud of the fact that th every fight scene I wrote, I could reenact. I can do the exact moves, you know, beat for beat. But then when my when my wife was reading this early draft, she was like, you know, flipping through the pages. She was like, I'm a man. At this point, this fight scene's so long, you're just mentally masturbating now. Because, you know, I, I love fight scenes. So so because of that, you know, it's over time, you have to kind of learn that less is more in, in prose because you don't need all that. You just need to convey the important parts of the scene to convey the things you're trying to convey, like the emotional arcs, the consequences, the, the fears, the, you know, the, the plot. And then you got to start, you know, less is more. You always got to be cutting things out. So how does that work when you're like fitting in the, um, the more like mystical parts and like, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, the world building of the religion and how, you know, the different fighting styles work. Um, does it give you more to play with? Or do you find like your brain sort of wondering how that would work in a fight? D or does it just kind of give you a little bit more um, space to play? 
I mean, I'm a fan of the wuxia genre in 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 movies. So that's kind of what I like. Like the art of prophecy is my kind of my love letter to like growing up watching the, these movies. So on one hand, um, I want to go as fantastic as possible, but on the other hand, you want to be careful because you know the, the magic system in the world has to make sense. People have to be able to buy into it. Uh so. Like, like a good example I have is like you know I I played this game earlier this year called Elden Ring, which is a very popular kind of sandbox game, fantastic game, and I played a wizard because like my thing has always been you know I can't be a wizard in real life, so in all my games I want to be a wizard, and that's great, and but and as long as I like as a character as a player I buy into the concept of being a wizard and casting spells and everything you know raining ice and raining fire whatever that's fine. I buy into it. I'm I'm in, I'm immersed in the world, but the one thing that always pulls me out of that 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 game is is my wizard who probably spends many 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 hours you know learning spells. He can do forward and backward and side rolls. He 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 just flips like a, like an Olympic gymnast. And for me, who was a gymnast, that's BS. Okay. You should not be able to do for like somersaults all over the place. With with such grace, you know, unless you've had a lot of training. But as a wizard, why do you you wouldn't have that training? If you're wearing heavy armor, you can't do those kind of flips. So that really bothers me. Like I must be the one of the only like players in the world who just can't stand seeing like these characters doing like doing like amazing you know floor routines while they're wearing armor or doing any, everything else. So that's what I care about. So I do want my I do want fantastic magic, but I want it to be believable, and, it, and so it has to be rooted in a way where, in in this world, or when the character, when the, when the readers are reading about these characters, they they don't get pulled out of it because you know, th that's the magic sauce. So, um, I guess one more question I have. So, is is this series um, optioned for a um, a television series? I I believe I had read that somewhere. Yes, it is currently optioned um, by by Sony, and they, uh, it's currently in development as a TV show. That's basically all I can say about that. Very cool. I'm excited. Yeah, that was one of the things when I was doing a little research that kind of popped up, and I thought that that was uh, that that was pretty awesome. But I do I do understand that uh, there are wraps around certain things you can talk of. Right. Talk I, I mean, the thing about optioning is. Um, it's it's a very long journey from something getting optioned to actually something getting made. You know, there's for something to be actually made into like a show or a movie, you need like a hundred yeses along every step of the way. And anytime there's a no, the whole thing is, you know, dies on the vine. And that's just that's just, you know, I mean the, the fact is like, you know, all TV shows and movies are art, and art is extraordinarily hard to make. And especially with the film and television industry is it's not only hard to make, it is incredibly expensive to make. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of chefs in the kitchen, you know, to kind of get all of that approved. And it's, it's a tough process, but it's kind of like, you know, you, you gotta have a ticket to play. So as, as long as it's in development, you know, we we're working on it. Well, I would be excited to see that happen. Um, so there is one more book in this series that is I'm on the horizon. I am working on the third book right now. 
Do you have a title or you can't say? I I have several titles. I have several <laughs> titles. And it's one of those things where I need to sit down with my editor and, and, the, and the team at Penguin Random House and kind of figure out like, okay, what title makes the most sense? Um, does it convey what I'm trying to convey? And so it's 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 a process. Titles are hard. For sure. No, absolutely. And I think you kind of nailed it with the art of prophecy and um the art of destiny. So I'm assuming it's gonna be the art of it'll be the art of something, just because <laughs> something. you know, we you want to keep some kind of like no the I love, what, what's the you you know you want to keep that that continuity that <laughs> yeah, continuity yes yes well um I will be very much looking forward to it when it comes out again like I said it's just a super fun ride to take with these characters and uh yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to it thank you so much for chatting with us yeah thank you for having me um and yeah check out uh if you have not checked out the art of prophecy check it out if you have check out the art of destiny and if you have checked out both of them check out wesley Chu's others books and we'll be waiting for the art of dot 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 sometime soon <laughs> awesome thank you so um once again this was jessica and i was here with wesley Chu, and we are going to close this chapter of turn the page It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.